Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach and host of this great community resource called Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. So what does the word community mean to you? Our pastor was discussing this at a recent sermon, talking about the idea of loving your neighbor and what it means to be part of a community. So how would you fill in the blank? Community is blank. Uh, Words like love, diversity, support, unique. These are some uh, words that came up. Ideas like doing life together, experiencing and embracing the mystery, which I thought was interesting. Celebrating births and weddings were also discussed. But the idea that stuck out most to me was that community means participation and engagement. And that's what we're hoping to highlight on this radio show. There are so many wonderful ways people can engage in the community And we just want to be sure we're sharing that information so people can use their gifts, their talents, or their resources to participate in some of the great ways that nonprofits are making a difference in our community. And then you find one that resonates with your values, your passion, or your goals, and then you get involved. So you can experience the blessing of giving back. The topic of today's discussion is about nature and the beautiful outdoors and the benefits of getting out and getting active. There was a study done in 2015 by the National Academy of Science that found that those people that walked for 90 minutes or more in a natural area, as opposed to those that uh, walked in urban settings, showed decreased activity in the part of the brain that is associated with depression. Now, I'm not at all surprised by that discovery. I love my nature walks. I just pack up the dogs and head to any number of parks in my area and go for a nature walk. And I feel a very calming presence in nature, and again, not at all surprised with the effect that it has on us mentally and physically. So let's dive into some ways that we can all experience this natural panacea. So my first guest today is Luke Globerdans, Director of Philanthropy for the Ice Age Trail Alliance. Welcome to the show today, Luke. Thank you, Jill. Since I've met you, I've seen a couple of different signs for the Ice Age Trail Alliance activities. Now, I don't know if that's just a coinkydink or if there's a always a number of events going on, but why don't you start with telling us your background and how you came to be the Director of Philanthropy at the Ice Age Trail Alliance. Sure. Um, Well, I guess my story isn't all that uncommon from a lot of the volunteers or staff members that I work with in the Ice Age Trail Alliance. We have a long background of of being active in the outdoors. And in my personal story as one of growing up in, in Iowa where there aren't a lot of long distance trails, but I spent plenty of time outside with, uh, on family farms. And when I first moved to Wisconsin, I started looking for, uh, uh, places to walk and places to go out and get reconnected with nature, and even and not, in the w- dead of winter. Even in the dead okay, of winter. Okay, all right. Bet. You know, uh, not everybody likes that kind of thing. <laughs> you bet. Well, you <laughs> got to gear up just right. That's right. Um, That's right. So I found the Ice Age Trail uh, through some Google searches, and and I was a teacher at the time. I taught third and fourth grade uh, in Lodi, Wisconsin, near the uh, Wisconsin River. I was going to say, where is that? Yeah, Lodi, Wisconsin. just north of Madison, uh, oh, okay. along the right. along the Wisconsin River, and. And, you know, I, part of that process was as a 20-some-year-old 20, 20 trying to figure out who I was going to be and what I was going to be in life. I knew I was a teacher at that time, but um, after having some time to really sort of deep 
uh, reflection on what I wanted to be, I was t- still lost. And so I thought, I'm going to go take a long walk. So I had some friends who had uh, through-hiked the Ice Age Trail, which is a, a contiguous walk from one uh, one end to the other. And I thought I would try it out. And, and so in 2003, my wife dropped me off in Sturgeon Bay and said, Good, Good luck. luck. Have that <laughs> we'll <hun>. see you <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. Good now, luck. how long are we talking from uh, one end to the other, you're saying? For me, it took 49 days. It's about oh my almost 1,200 miles when complete. Oh, uh, We don't okay. really know because the trail is about a little over halfway done. Uh, okay. But we think it's going to be about 1,200 miles when done. When well, you hope complete. you dress warm and brought food and snacks <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I walked. But I think along that way, what happened to me personally is I was able to um, – come to terms with quite a few things that were personally on my mind, uh, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be. And, and so I became a healthier person, both mentally, you know, and and physically as well. So when I think about that impact that it had on my life, I brought that back to my classroom, um, started teaching kids, you know, certainly about the glaciers in which the ice age trail sort of protects that glacial heritage that we have in the state. And then really wanting them to see this as a lifelong resource for wellness. Mm. And so I started infusing nature walks with my classroom, uh, a colleague of mine, Chris McNeil, and I started a program called Saunters, taking youth out onto the trail for a series of hikes over the course of a week. Oh, I bet uh, your class was one of the favorites then. <laughs> we, we, well, we had fun. Um, but that was a big part of uh, what it came, came to be for me in terms of using the trail for uh, my professional career. And then shortly thereafter... Uh, took a job with the Ice Age Trail Alliance, uh, taking that program that we developed called Saunters, expanding that to now this year we're aiming to reach 10,000 kids uh, on that program to get them out and in in nature walk. So it's a pretty big goal, thanks to the National Park Foundation, uh, their support of that project. But my work then shifted from outreach and education work to now uh, philanthropy work. So I work to uh, create that um, those economic resources to make sure that we can get the job done and we can connect with the communities. Uh, well, and awareness, Absolutely. you know, making sure that people are aware. So well, why is the Ice Age National Scenic Trail important, not only to was, uh, the Waukesha County area and Wisconsin, but to our nation as sure. a whole? You know, you talked about 1,200 miles right. or something. Yeah. So the, we are part of a larger system called the National Trail System. So our relatives in that world would be the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, some of the historic trails like the Mormon Trail, Lewis and Clark Trail. And we were written into legislation and as a part of the National Trail System Act. So we became one of those groups. And it's uh, mandated in that act that it is uh, this is a federal project overseen by a federal agency. We are overseen by the National Park Service. Okay. Uh, we also work with the Wisconsin DNR. But our job really is to protect that glacial story. The one of the last glacial advance some 20,000 years ago uh, when those vast sheets of ice carved this landscape. The trail isn't a straight line across Wisconsin, but when you look at it, you can see uh, how it curves throughout the state. That's because it follows where the glacier, the last furthest extent. So we dip in and out of that uh, glaciated region into some of the driftless region in the west where our, our office is located in Cross Plains. Uh, so it's really one of those stories of preservation. So on a national scale, we're helping curate, in a lot of ways, the American story, whether mm-hmm. it's a natural story or a people story. Uh, but we're part of that curation of that story. And, and I think when you get kids out in the mm-hmm. elements and they can maybe piece that together a little bit better than if they were just sitting in the classroom and Absolutely. hearing you lecture to them, I would imagine. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think, but I think in, on, in a state scale, uh, the trail is projected to go through 137 communities when complete. And so really locally what we provide is is a way for communities to keep 
you know, that, that connection with the landscape to improve their, their mental well-being, their physical well-being. It's an economic impact for a lot of the communities that we work with. So I think there are a lot of different uh, touch points, if you will, for the Ice Age Trail, both on a national scale and uh, all the way down to local scales like in Delafield uh, nearby us right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, a nice, uh, uh, nice mission you've got going mm-hmm. there. But mm-hmm. So what are the Alliance's goals then related to that mission mm-hmm. of creating and supporting and protecting the Ice Age Trail? Sure. I think our, you know, our overall goal, of course, is to uh, see the trail built in all the way through. So all 1,000 plus miles uh, finished, signed, open to the public for use. That's, that's what drives us. Uh, but I think there are separate you know, areas where we work within our organization to make sure that that happens. It's not going to just be this sort of snap the fingers and all of a sudden it's done. But it takes some steady, steady and ongoing work by our, our team of staff and volunteers. Well, okay, so great goals, mm-hmm. um, but how do you meet them then? Right. So, <laughs> so if if we take that idea of completing the trail, um, you know, the first thing that we do as an accredited land trust is we work to secure the the land, so permanent protection of that land. So whether that is an easement uh, across someone's family farm who says, I want to protect and be part of this project, um, or it's purchasing land either through our partners with DNR. We also own properties individually. So we, we purchase the property and then we work on two different fronts. One is our trail construction team. We'll go out and sort of analyze that landscape, visit it in multiple seasons, really see what it looks like in winter and summer and spring, everywhere in between. And then, and while that's going on and we're designing this imaginative route, that takes in some of these glacial features. We're also on on the other side working our outreach and education teams to generate support to come out and help build the trail. Oh, so okay. that's uh, where that community piece right. Comes so in. we bring yeah. in the community. So when those are all clicking and everything's going just right, um, we start hosting events on that property and where we st- work with our our crew leaders to start building the trail and crafting it at a, at a national standard that's reflective of our status as a national scenic trail. So nice. really high level construction that's imaginative and uh, creates a space for people to enjoy. Yeah. Which is wonderful again, in terms of the community, bringing them together Absolutely. for awesome outdoor activities. So um, we mentioned how important that is to engage and participate mm-hmm. in our community. So uh, in, in some way, so stay tuned to hear more about how you can do just that with the ice age trail Alliance. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Luke Globerdans, Director of Philanthropy for the Ice Age Trail Alliance. So when I talked earlier about community being participation and engagement, um, volunteering is, is a big part of that equation, right? Um, sometimes people don't understand that they can be a part of something that's making a difference, not only locally, but nationally, and in some cases, globally as well. And, and they don't have to do much. They can just volunteer a little bit or a lot. It depends. But what does the volunteer landscape look like then with the Alliance? Sure. Um, well, the Alliance overall as a, as a group you know, is, is comprised of 20 volunteer chapters. So there's a local group, usually by county across the route of the across the state on the route of the trail where people can get engaged on a local level. And a lot of times those local volunteers are doing things like leading uh, hikes for school groups, leading hikes for um, other partners, or just having full moon walks or any of those sorts of activities. But they also 
volunteer on a regular basis to make sure that the brush is cut back, that if a boardwalk needs to be replaced, they are working to get that done, or any of these things that require maintenance along the way, installing benches, making sure they're in good repair, uh, doing vast landscape restoration. That all happens on a, on a local level through those volunteer chapters. And and we also then offer uh, statewide projects through our main office in Cross Plains where we will host host events throughout the state. A lot of these um, are filtered through our mobile skills crew program. So this is a group of trained and certified volunteers that serve as crew leaders in the field. So, Jill, if you wanted okay. to come out and join us one day, uh, you wouldn't feel like I need to come and know all this stuff. Okay. Uh, you know how to build a rock wall or something like that. We pair you with volunteers that we have worked with and trained at a very high level. So these are people that have first aid, CPR, chainsaw safety, leadership skills, so that you can feel comfortable being in that community. Okay. Um, and that's really where where I see the the biggest you know sort of impact, if you will, across the state, because someone from Pewaukee can meet someone from St. Croix Falls, and oh, they yeah. suddenly have this common connection, and the community becomes wider, right? It yeah. becomes broader. Um, and I know how to how to operate a, a leaf blower and a uh, lawnmower, and you know some of those things. We'll you know, take maybe you. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think all these volunteers together, you know, they they create um, eighty eight. 82,000 hours, over 82,000 hours of volunteer time uh, towards our project. So that's the equivalent wow, of... annually? Annually, wow. yeah. So that's the equivalent of roughly 42 full-time positions that in volunteer time. And those people that are coming together are passionate. So we look at our park, our partners that I mentioned before, whether it's the Appalachian Trail or any of those other groups, and usually we're second or third in the nation for the number of volunteer hours out of all those trail groups. Wow, which is really spectacular. Go Wisconsin, it's right? It's true. I think, and I think that really wow. does touch on the pride that people have in the state. And because we are what they call a state trail, we're all within the boundaries of Wisconsin. We don't go to Minnesota. We don't go uh, into, into Michigan or Illinois, but it's it's really one of those trails where people have a lot of pride in. So while we have fewer volunteers than those people, actual people, each of our volunteers gives more wow. than, a, than, say, a volunteer, average volunteer for, say, the Appalachian Trail, you know. Um, so it's it's really that state pride that I think shines and that sense of community on a state level that yeah. really brings people in and makes them feel like they're welcome and they want to see this thing through. So, so that's that's where we that's where we tend to um, take those people and bring them together. So, a volunteer, if they were if you were going to show up at one of our say mobile skills crew events, um, what would happen is you'd sign up, you'd register online, you'd go to IceAgeTrail.org, say, "Yep, I want to sign up for the project at Ringle, the Ringle segment coming up next week." And and then you might set some check boxes. I'm interested in trail construction. I'm interested in food preparation. I'm interested in greeting volunteers. Okay. And then when you would show up, we'd sort of plug you into those spaces and say, okay, you want to start here? We'll start here. So, Jill, I'm going to introduce you to Thelma. Thelma's our camp kitchen, uh, our camp chef. Ah. And Thelma is in her 80s, and Thelma will cook uh, three meals a day with a small team in this circus tent we call it a big big 20 by 30 uh tent that 
uh, people are expected to, expected to come in and eat and Thelma's delicious food. So as long as you like wow. ham and cheesy potatoes, we got a we got a oh, place for yeah. you. <laughs> we also Thelma's provide, Cafe <laughs> right is. there. Huh? It is, but I think that speaks to the 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 passion. Thalma, who's in her 80s, will be up at like, 4 in the morning getting breakfast ready. Yeah. Uh, we'll be working until 9 or 10 at night, get, making sure all the dishes in the camp is put away nice and neat. And and that's that sort of passion that, that brings people back. So we, pr- we do provide food, obviously. So if you show up, we'll give you three three meals and, wow. and usually some evening entertainment. Sometimes it's planned. Sometimes what, it Thelma's going to play the guitar <laughs> no. and sing or something? <laughs> She's usually in bed by that point. <laughs> uh, but we do have dance troops come out. We have uh, guitar players. We have people that, that help entertain. And sometimes people, it's just the camaraderie. You know, we ask these volunteers, why do you keep coming back for this? It's not easy work. It's sometimes in rare remote areas and it's difficult to get to you have to take time off work and they say it's because of the camaraderie and again it's that sense of community that's being built in the middle of the woods and somebody can come in and uh help out Thelma, you know, yeah. clean up afterwards so she doesn't yes, have, absolutely. so she can go to bed a little bit earlier <laughs> yeah. maybe than normally. Abs- absolutely. And, that, and people, you know, you can come for a half a day. You you can come for the full event, sometimes three days. Um, you can also volunteer locally and, and work with the local chapters. Again, IceAgeTrail.org will tell you every chapter in your area, and they have all sorts of jobs, um, okay. whether that is running the mower or the leaf blower type <laughs> type of work. I can do that. Uh, yeah. I can do that. Well, I can we'll serve food. That's I can also eat food. Yeah. I can, I can put away food pretty, pretty easily. <laughs> we need those people, too. We need those people, too. But now, so these go on just on the weekends, or do they go on all week long? Right. So the local volunteer events are sometimes during the week, sometimes on okay. the weekends. Our mobile skills crew events that I was referring to earlier are oftentimes, they're multi-day. So that can be anywhere from three days to, say, five days. We've had week-long projects before okay. where we go and we set up a, a base camp. Uh, so we'll, we'll set up our, our camp kitchen will get set up. There will be camping options. Um, and then people can come and join us for all or, or some of that. And we ask that everyone register in advance so that we can plan accordingly for food and space that we need. Okay. Um, these events, um, I think our largest event had over 370 people wow. at it. Um, some of the smaller events can be 40 people. Um, but always a, a common, a group there with a common cause and a common mission. So it's really fun to see them come together. And, and you know, when I was a teacher and I started working with the mobile skills crew, what I saw um, was it's also a wonderful play, way to see the state and oh, to sure. travel around. And, yeah. and that's where you really see those sort of uh, smaller community, those communities that really mm-hmm. connect this state across the across the trail so yeah. it's really a great way to do that and then also meet people because you'll see people from other parts of the state that will tell you hey the color is on right now mm-hmm. or or um boy we've had just a wonderful spring you should go check out all the the wild ramps or or what have you so it's it's really a nice way to learn about the state to see the state mm-hmm. and then and then to meet the people that call this place home yeah, I understand the Superior area is beautiful, and right. I've been wanting to get up there, so maybe you can let me know if there's some events going on up there. Absolutely. Um, what about corporate sponsorships? You know how, mm-hmm. how companies mm-hmm. now are looking for team-building activities. Yes. Do you yeah. have companies that sign up and say, we have a group of 30 mm-hmm. people, for example, and we yeah. want to volunteer on a particular day? We do. Um, we do. We work with, uh, we have quite a few corporate friends, we call them. So these are corporations that are supporting us financially. Okay. Uh, and then in turn, what we do a lot of times is we'll, we will host events, we'll lead hikes with them. Uh, the, a lot of them really like the service work, the volunteer components. So we've worked locally with Aurora Health, 
um, getting uh, some of their associates out, and, okay. and they do things like remove vast amounts of buckthorn for us. And, uh, and, oh, I've uh, done that at our cottage. <laughs> that is a pain. It's a never I'm not ending. signing up for that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know my husband won't want to sign up for that yeah. one either. And we, we, got, we got a lot of experience with that one. We also, um, you know, we also have a, a business membership um, that oh. comes with that uh, sort of in-store branding of here's you're a supporter of the Ice Age Trail. And then we also do our best work to send our customers to those businesses that support us. So we do okay. a big push for the, the people that support us and encourage our volunteers, those, you know, those 42 full-time equivalents uh, uh. volunteers to say, hey, you know, they're helping this happen. Please in turn uh, right. go visit them and, and make sure that they know that you're there because of the trail. Yeah, that's that support uh, and collaboration that, it you is. Know, that we talk about. So lots of good things going on uh, at the Ice Age Trail Alliance and different ways to plug in. So if someone is listening and they want to plug in, repeat again where they can go sure. for more information. IceAgeTrail.org. Well, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. Facebook page? Yes, we do have a Facebook page, Ice Age Trail Org. Okay. Yep, yep. And they can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all the social channels. All right. Very yeah. good. Well, thank you very much. I've learned a lot about the Ice Age Trail. I'm sure our listeners have as well. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Unlike the Ice Age Trail, which spans the whole state of Wisconsin, we're going to learn more about a popular nature park right here in the Delafield, Wisconsin area. So stay tuned to find out and learn more about this great gem that's right in our own backyard. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guests today are Anne Rendell and Charlie Ritter, who are volunteers from Friends of Lapham Peak. So thank you both for being here today. And we'd like to thank the Ellen Becker Investment Group for having us today and allowing us to spread our message about the great opportunities at Lapham Peak. You are absolutely welcome. Now, I'm familiar with this nature gem we have right in our backyard. Uh, well, not literally, but within about five minutes from our house. We've taken uh, many a nature walk with our kids there, and my hubby cross-country skis there. So we're, we're, we're familiar. But for those that may not be familiar with uh, where you are, can you tell us where exactly Lapham Peak is located? And why are you so passionate about what it offers the community? Yeah, we always like to um, be sure people know that we're on Highway, County Highway C. It's just about a mile south of I-94. You get off at the um, Delafield exit, the older del- part of Delafield. It's okay. um, exit 285, actually. Um, and then the only entrance to the park is right there on County Highway C. Okay. Um, and south of the expressway. South of the expressway. Hard to miss. Okay. And um, unlike the Ice Age Trail, which covers the whole state, um, we are located just on one single property. We're, uh, at this point, we're uh, 1,022 acres. Wow. I did not know that. We started out as 50 acres um, years ago in 1989, but now we're uh, 1,000 acres. And um, we're we're, uh, a gem, basically, as you say, out there in the forest where people in our urban area can come and have some time out in nature. Mm. Yeah, Latin Peaks also uh, on both sides of Highway C now, with the biking trail on one side and hiking, and then the main park on the on the east side of Highway C. So okay. it's really grown over the years. Gem is the right word to use. It's, ah. it's really a great piece of property. And hopefully not a hidden gem, right? You know, we're more building awareness here so people who may not be familiar with it can become familiar. But why are you so passionate about it? 
Yeah, and, and to me, it's it's just really important that um, we we throughout our community, everybody has the opportunity to get out and be with nature. Um, I I I'm a physician, and I uh, have worked as an obstetrician gynecologist for 40 years, and I feel like I've did I did a lot of good work in that area. Working with individual families was wonderful and very rewarding, but the volunteer efforts that I'm putting in now out at Lapham Peak make the um, the trails and the um, opportunities there available to everybody in the community. It's not one family at a time anymore. Lots of weekends we'll have 100 cars in each of the three parking lots um, out there at Lapham. So now we're reaching, um, th- what I'm doing now is reaching a lot more people and it just is really, really invigorating to, to, keep, this, um, to keep the enthusiasm going. Yeah, and I bet very fulfilling. Very. Yeah. Charlie, what about you? Well, if you show up at the, at the average day at Lapham Peak when you drive in the parking lot in the summer, the spring and the fall, you'll see runners running the trail, very active. In fact, there's a running group there on Wednesday evening that does the trail runs. Hiking is very popular there, the beautiful trails and hiking all year round at the, at the park. And people are biking through the park as well. Um, there's also a uh, handicap accessible trails, which are well used. And we even have a, a group called the Bold, which are blind people that are out there hiking and skiing in the winter. So really, the community that shows up at Latin Peak is very diverse. And it, as Ann said, there's some days there's 100 cars in that parking lot. In fact, it's the fourth most used park in the state system. Oh, a lot of people aren't aware okay, of that. that yeah, yeah. Devil's Lake and Peninsula are the two, and then we're right underneath them. So it's okay. a very, very popular park. Wonderful. Well, okay, so now our listeners are familiar with where you are. Uh, but can you tell us now who the Friends of Lapham Peak organization is, and what do they do? Yeah, and the organization, um, again, Charlie and I are both members, and the um, whole point of the organization is to support and enhance the Lapham Peak property. So those 1,000 acres is really are, are the total focus of the Friends of Lapham Peak. Our real full name is kind of long. It's the Friends of Lapham Peak Unit. State Kettle Moraine State Forest. Oh wow! Okay, that's really I prefer our... FLP. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Friends, Friends of Lapham Peak. <laughs> that Much just makes easier. it easier, right? Yep. Um, but our, over the years, we've done a lot, hundreds of projects to improve the property and make it uh, make the um, experience of the users uh, uh, more fun and more interesting. Um, and we've responded to the wishes of, of lots of different people as we um, have looked for which projects we're going to do next. The, there's uh, the Butterfly Garden. There's... Uh, as one example, where we have lots of plants that are um, uh, hap- happily home for butterflies, okay. that's well fenced because we have a lot of deer. This ah. is common in this part of the state. Yes, and um, so the fencing keeps the deer out and lets the plants grow. But there's gates that people can easily open. Deer can't do it, but people okay. can easily open those gates and walk through. There's a wonderful brick pathway um, that um, people can walk on to get close to all of those um, great. Um, plants that are in there. Then another example is the Nature Center. We've um, focused on that for years as well. The Houseman Nature Center is a a beautiful structure with lots of glass um, windows, and um, in it are many, many uh, exhibits about the natural phenomenon that are in our park. Uh, Lots of those exhibits were made by members of the Friends group, uh, and um, they highlight the flora and fauna, the birds, the um, the area, and so we have the opportunity there for um, the, the many youth programs to come and participate in nature out there. The 
Houseman Nature Center is actually managed by the Milwaukee Public Schools. Oh. It's a partnership between the um, Wisconsin DNR and okay. um, the Milwaukee Public Schools that keeps the building going. Nice. And so we have lots of school groups that come out and learn about the soils um, that are present there. Um, they get to climb the tower and see the glaciation um, that you can see from um, from up above. Um, we talked about that with Luke because he was saying how he takes, uh, when he was teaching still in the school, um, that he would take groups of students outside. And I thought, what a great way to have the kids learn hands-on. Plus, I bet that's their favorite class. You know, they get to get outside, right? To get outside is huge. But right. it's so much better for them to, you know, hands-on to understand and to take a trip to the park and better understand it. Right, and they can be in the environment. You know, when you're yeah. out there with nature, you have a sense that there's something bigger than us and your problems tend to melt. Yeah. And what's really important in the world gets to be much more in focus. And they get the sense of that as they're participating um, in the events that we have there. The building itself is gorgeous, uh, overlooking big glass windows, overlooking Waukesha County. In fact, the view from up there is probably one of the best views in Waukesha County. Really? A lot of people miss it because they don't know the building's there. So ah. it's open on weekends, and mm-hmm. we invite people to stop and go in there and see the exhibits, as Ann pointed out. But the view in the building itself is really unique. So uh, check it out. Check it out. Well, I know that the, the tower was a uh, a place that quite a few young couples, when my kids were in high school at Arrowhead, that was a, one of the places for couples to go is to go to the tower because you can hike up the tower, you know, go up to the top of the tower, get beautiful pictures up there. Because Peninsula State Park, that tower is taken down now. So It is, yeah. So, yeah, the I, and I don't know if they have plans to reconstruct it, but... Um, you know, yours is nice. I don't know how how tall is that tower. I think it's four hundred fifty feet. Ah, don't quote okay, me, but, I think but it's roughly on that order. okay. It's, it's tall. Wow. It's tall enough to give a great view of Waukesha County and see downtown Milwaukee. Just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah. Right. And one of the things we always say in the friends group is if we had some donations from all the people who did uh, who got engaged on that tower, we'd <laughs> ah, have there a quite go. tidy sum. Ah, <laughs> you should put like one of those little boxes at the base of it that people can just you know put some dollar bills or coins in there and. Of course, you probably have to monitor it, but uh, you know, make sure that it doesn't so disappear or something. But increased Lapham was the father of modern meteorology. A lot of people don't know that, and the weather forecast came from Pikes Peak yes. all the way to that tower oh. in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, I believe it was. So, Lapham Peak and increased Lapham. It's quite a history, and that's why that tower is there. That peak was ah. uh, weather forecast actually came to that peak in the early days. So a little yeah. history. Piece of for you. Wisconsin trivia. There you go. Huh? Right, yeah. and it was increased Lapham who got the U.S. Weather Service going right. by by sending on information from there, from the peak, uh, from the Lapham Peak to the east about what, what the weather was out west of Pikes. The ships on the Great Pikes Lakes. Peak. Was oh the big wow! Right. Very and, interesting. And that was of such value that the U.S. government decided to make it all be the U.S. what is now the U.S. Weather Service. Wow. Started at Latin Peak. Wow, very interesting. Well, where can people learn more about the many enhancements that FLP, the Friends of Latin Peak, uh, provide at Latin Peak? We um, encourage people to go to our website. Um, there's the LapamPeakFriends.org. Real simple. LapamPeakFriends.org uh, is our website, and we have lots of information there about all the different kinds of initiatives that we're um, carrying on out, out at the park to make the user um, experience even more fun. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I understand you and Charlie are avid cross-country skiers, right? We are. 
Um, with winter right around the corner, stay tuned to learn what Lapham Peak experience brings to the general public during the winter months. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm chatting with Ann Rendell and Charlie Ritter from the Friends of Lapham Peak. Okay, so we Wisconsinites understand that weather changes on a dime here, and winter may be here sooner than we think. But This, this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So can you elaborate on what the Lapham Peak experience brings to the general public during the winter months? Uh, the win- in the winter, the the park is again. It's a it's a place out in nature where people can go to be outdoors and, and be part of the world of trees and and um, animals. And the um, surfaces out there have snow on them um, for much of the winter. But we um, we give it, it gets people a chance to get off the couch and get out yeah. and do the things that are um, really beneficial for our health and well being. Yeah, we physically and mentally. Physically and mentally, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we. We, um, we started, the Friends of Latin Peak actually started, our, our roots were back in um, 30 years ago, uh, actually in 1989, and the first project that the group took on was putting up lights on the, Nor- on the Nordic ski trails so that skiing could happen because, as we know, dark comes early yeah. <laughs> in the winter. Way too early. And if you're working all day, then if you want to be skiing, you need the lights to be able to get out on the trails. So the lights went up in, in 1989, and since then, there's been a really, um, a really fun community of people who have been hanging out at Lapham, skiing there and enjoying the outdoors in the winter. Um, it's real common that there'll be a little fire in Evergreen Shelter um, in the little stove there so that we can congregate and eat our candy bars or whatever we bring along for, mm-hmm. for nutrition mm-hmm. and then um, be out and skiing or enjoying the outdoors. And it's so, cross-country skiing only. There's no downhill right. skiing there. We want to make sure people understand that. But, yeah, we should be sure it's up and down. Um, but but hike, hikers and snowshoers are very prevalent in the okay. winter. But yes. the main activity is cross-country skiing. For a lot of reasons. Um, the trails are challenging there. Um, Anne's going to talk about the snow-making loop that we've made so you can ski 85 days of a year guaranteed, which is unique to the state of Wisconsin. We are very unique in that regards. A lot of people use Latin Peak trails to train for the Berkebiner. A lot of people are familiar with this race up in Hayward, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So quite a few people are training. But more importantly, I think Anne and I would recognize the average skier that comes out there are not only the skiers that are proficient, but is people that come out to enjoy the day and the sunshine and the snow that we make out there. And it's fabulous. This ribbon of snow goes for 2.5 kilometers, and I'm supposed to change that to miles, right, Yeah. Right. I keep saying the lights cover two and a half miles okay. of trail that's lighted. Um, but then our man-made snow, which given the ups and downs of the winters that we've had lately and the unpredictability, um, it's it's now our, our um, usual thing to be making snow every, every December and into January so that we've got and that gives us 1.4 miles, so about one and a half miles okay. of trail that's um, got man-made snow on it and has lights on it. So we can ski from 6 a.m. when the park opens till 9 p.m. when the wow. park closes wow. every single day. So, so Charlie, you talked about um, people getting out and enjoying the outdoors and and uh, it's wonderful, I imagine, when you see families out there together. Are you know are the programs? 
that you offer, um, you know, are they available to the whole family, including kids? Absolutely, and it's uh, once you buy the park pass, you're in and skiing. So uh, trail pass and park pass is what's needed. But a lot of people already have the park pass from camping or whatever, and that's good at Latin Peak during the winter season. Uh, the snowmaking loop, we see families out there. There's also rental skis available, and last year oh, we had a new okay. group come in and set up the rental skis, which is a huge part of our program. You don't have to invest in the skis, the boots, the poles. You can come out to Latin Peak on a beautiful sunny day, rent skis, see if you like it, and get out on the trails. Ann and I will pretty much guarantee that you'll like it, and that <laughs> that comes from a lot of reasons. Not only is the community wonderful out there, Ann and I find people that are just out there training for the Berkey will stop and teach people how to ski, which is really neat to see. Mm. And just a wonderful community. Uh, in fact, I met Ann through this community, so it's just yeah. nice. great, great people that, that show up there. And uh, uh, lots of families, uh, a whole wide variety of people. Okay. Um, yeah. okay. And, and uh, as we've been saying, the Ice Age Trail goes right through Lapham Peak. So in the winter, sometimes there's some families who somebody's a skier, like the hubby maybe is a skier, so he'll be out skiing. Um, um, the mom might like to snowshoe, so she can do some snowshoeing around through the woods. You know, we've got acres and acres that mm-hmm. um, are fun to explore. Um, and then if they bring the kids along, they can go hike on the Handicapped Accessible Trail. It's lots of the time, pretty much most of the winter even. And it's available because, you know, of our ups and downs and not so much snow. Um, like Charlie said, we've got 85 days of skiable snow on the man-made, but it's kind of only about 10 to 20 days that you can ski on the other um, trails throughout the park. So yeah. and lots it's a great of place to go take your dog, too, Wonderful to place. walk your dog. Good and point. Yeah, Good point. We do that, uh, do that quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about how important it is to engage and participate in our communities. So how does the man-made snow that you guys produce, how does that benefit the community? It's an opportunity for anybody to come on out and get off the couch. Um, okay. is, is I think the thing that I love to keep emphasizing. It's it's right there and available um, from 6 a.m., like I always say, to 9 p.m. You can come enjoy it any time. Uh, we do have the youth program where um, uh, you know, at the Friends of Lapham Peak are closely associated with some other organizations that also are focused at Lapham, all of which make our whole community of, of folks in the Peak Nordic Ski Club Peak Nordic Ski Club is focused on young folks. Okay. They have a really dynamic fun program for teaching kids how to ski, how to Nordic ski again. We're, okay. we're just the Nordic um, and they start with um K-5 and go all the way through high school. We typically will have on the uh, order of 125 kids in the programs um, each winter. Um, The youngest kids are just one night a week, and that's probably from... um, uh, kin- kindergarten to sixth grade, and it's uh, typically Monday nights, just an hour, and then they get to have hot chocolate. Oh, nice. And then the middle school program is several days a week, and the high school is multiple days a week. And the high school team races throughout the state and does real well. Real often, they'll end up in the top three of the state high school teams. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. Well, where does the funding come from then? So I'll speak the funding. Uh, is is all through the community. We, we go out and solicit funding for our organization, the Friends Group, but for our winter organization – We are in need of funds because of the equipment that it takes to make snow, which is not inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting, the volunteers that come out, we have huge volunteer hours that are put in, not only during the winter, but during the all year round. But the winter, especially for what we're talking about here in the skiing, we actually have groups of people that come out and run these snow-making machines that produce this ribbon of snow through the beautiful trails. And that's what makes this go. But like any organization, nonprofit, we are in need of funds. In fact... 
uh, one of the things that we are in need of is our, our machine that does the grooming is almost 40 years old, and we want to replace that. So that will be our major fun uh, effort coming up over the next year or so to try to replace that with a new machine that will help us produce delightful conditions for our skiers and people that use the park. And, and that will really be offer some wonderful skiing as far as conditions. Okay, wonderful. Well, Okay, I have to ask, what's on the snow-covered horizon for Lapham Peak? What are some initiatives you got going on? We're uh, well, as Charlie said, we're looking to get an even more um, delightful and easily kept surface so that skiing is optimal. So our new machine, our new machine, will be our our next big thing. Smooth we're- and silky, right, Ann? We want smooth and silky conditions, <laughs> no ice. Anyone can come out and ski and enjoy themselves, right. and, and the, the new machine will let us do that. Yeah, and when we get a thaw, it, the water, the snow tends to get icy, but with this new machine, we'll be able to break that ice up and make it smooth and, and snow-like again, which will be really, nice. really good. Um, new Year's Day, we um, typically do a get out and um, enjoy the outdoors. Um, the state and the, actually all states around the United States on New Year's Day do a first-day hike, they call it, and uh, we're kind of tagging along with them. And okay. doing the Ice Age does hiking in the park that day, and we do skiing. And we try to keep track of our kilometers skied. Um, we typically, even on our little, the smallest little one year, we had just a 1K loop back then. And we had um, 1,000 kilometers skied on that loop um, in just that one day. Um, so um, New Year's Day will be a fun kind of day for us. We're hoping to have some scavenger hunts and other activities that are going on for all the, all the family, all ages. Nice. Um, and, um, and then we do the, um, every year in October, we do Fright Hike. Um, as a fundraiser, and that's two nights in the woods um, with a lot of um, wonderful skits put on by high school kids so that our customers pay to get scared. Ah, there you go. There you go. Coming up. And people can people can uh, reference your your website for right. dates yes. on uh, events exactly. that you have coming yep. up. Okay. Yep. Um, well, as, as I often say, I mean, there's never enough time to talk about everything, but at least we're planting a seed so those people that are listening – who might be interested, they can reach out. So quickly, contact information. Um, yeah, do you have we, a telephone number, a website, Facebook we, page? We are the Friends of Lapham Peak, and um, our, our main, face, our main la- website is lapampeakfriends.org. Um, for more information about snowmaking, it's lapampeaksnowmaking.org. And we have buttons on both of those that get you okay. back and forth. Okay. But um, the lapampeaksnowmaking.org has t- a wealth of information about uh, winter activities that will make it, make it fun to be here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, even right. with the ups and downs of all our temperatures. Well, and I was going to say, now we have no excuses for not getting out and having fun in our cold winter months, right? Get off the couch. Yeah. The right benefits are the numerous, couch. including mental and physical. Yep. And come um, and see us. Yes. Well, I'd like to thank my guest today, Luke Globerdans, who is the Director of Philanthropy for the Ice Age Trail Alliance, and Ann Rendell and Charlie Ritter from the Friends of Lapham Peak. Thank you both and all of you, actually, t- uh, for being here today and making our great state even better for longtime outdoor enthusiasts. And, and hopefully we've sparked an interest for those who typically don't leave their couches during the winter months <laughs> to get out, Come bundle up, embrace the cold, and go out and have fun. So thank you for being with us today to share your mission and your passion. And many thanks to Ellen Becker Investment Group for giving us this opportunity to get out our message. Thank you, you are so very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. If you would like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 
691-3200. There are a few ways to listen to the show. You can tune in on the AM dial at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or you can download the iHeartRadio app. You can even ask Alexa now to play WISN AM 1130. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to the podcast, or you can listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to hear from some great people who share how their nonprofit is making a difference in our community. And then if their message resonates with you, do something about it. Everybody can do something, right? Share your talents, your treasures with someone, and I guarantee you'll be blessed because of it. Go out and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.